0: I'm Mark Kane with the World Economic Forum.
1: And I'm Miriam Vogel with Equal AI. And this is In AI, We Trust. Hey, Mark, good to see you.
0: Hello, Miriam. Great to see you, too.
1: I'm very excited for our guest today, Navrina Singh.
0: I am too. Navrina has had a really interesting career, uh, everything from large, major international tech companies like Microsoft to uh, her latest role starting a really exciting startup that focuses on ethical AI. I think she's going to have quite a lot of experience to share with us.
1: I agree, and I know she is a very thoughtful speaker because that's how we met. We were on a panel together when she was at Microsoft, and I got to hear about her work there on conversational design and her commitment to building responsible AI. So I was very excited to see when she became a founder herself uh, and started Credo AI, and I really look forward to hearing what they're up to.
0: Well, yeah, let's let's hear from Navrina.
1: Let's do it. Today, we are so pleased to be joined by Navrina Singh. Navrina is founder and CEO of Credo AI, whose mission is to empower organizations to deliver trustworthy and responsible AI through AI audit and governance products. She also serves on the board of directors of Mozilla and Stella Labs. She was selected to be part of the inaugural class of Barclays and the Techstars Female Founders First, an initiative to support trailblazing female entrepreneurs like herself. Previously, when we first met, she was the product leader on AI at Microsoft, where she was building responsible uh, products through the AI enterprise on virtual agents. I was mesmerized by her work there and so excited that then she was launching her own company to go deeper into this work. Prior to that role, she was the Director of Business Development, where she was responsible for product strategy and strategic partnerships, and spent 12-plus years at Qualcomm, uh, where she helped with the incubator at the strategy and M&A organization within Qualcomm. She is a young global leader of the World Economic Forum and has spent significant time on STEM education and diversity inclusion efforts. and. For all of those reasons and more, Navrina, we are so pleased to have you on our show. Thank you for being here. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. So first, we'd love to find out what drew you to this work. How did you become so integrated in AI, and how did you become so passionate about trustworthy and responsible AI?
2: Absolutely, Miriam. So I've been in tech now for two decades building products uh, as well as launching businesses across the mobile ecosystem, artificial intelligence, um, and other areas. I would say significantly in the past ten years, uh, my foray into machine learning was uh, really guided by how our enterprises operationalizing these machine learning algorithms. Uh, at Qualcomm, uh, we brought in our machine learning systems on the connectivity and compute flat platform, helped create the robotics business, uh, really became the backbone of, you know, uh, areas like collaborative robots, uh, drone platforms, et cetera. And I would say that's where it was like an eye-opening moment for me that these systems, which are not just static and fixed. Uh, These are learning systems that are really going to take in uh, the realities of our society and bake it uh, into themselves and then influence uh, the way we live, work and play uh, in this world. So from there, moved on to Microsoft and I was part of the conversational AI team where we were building these chatbots for enterprise applications. And I would say that that was again, another tipping point because Um, As I saw the way the DevOps uh, was sort of built for these AI systems, what became very clear was there were not the right guardrails around governance, around compliance for how these systems were getting built. And then fortunately, during this time, got appointed as a young global leader with World Economic Forum and sat on the Council of AI, where we were at the front and center of informing And creating policies uh, with countries like European Commission, with Singapore, Canadian government, really thinking about what a strategically uh, AI strategy looked like for these countries. And I would say that all those experiences came together when we recognized that there was an incentive problem and we were creating an accountability debt because as enterprises, as companies, we had invested so heavily in artificial intelligence and we had sort of brought the data scientists, the machine learning engineers and the technical community along and incentivized to uh, incentivize them to build really good models and, and launch them in the market. However, we really left behind the compliance, the audit, the risk management communities where the right oversight expertise resided. So for me, really noticing that imbalance between the technical stakeholders and the risk uh, and oversight stakeholders uh, was a massive opportunity for us. And, and that's where Credo AI was born. It was born with the need to ensure that this AI governance chasm that's getting created between these two stakeholders was bridged effectively, not only through a set of tools, but the right set of behaviors and discipline um, that we could bring through AI governance. And so, in the past couple of years, I have been heads down focused on uh, how can we enable companies and individuals uh, to think about ethical ai and and deliver on trustworthy AI at scale?
0: That's terrific and 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 something that we hear a lot uh, on the show, this gap between the the practice and the 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 development of the of the technology and the application of it within various use cases, and then these uh, key governance and, and, and kind of uh, compliance and, and, and other mechanisms to ensure that it's safe and fair. So I want to sort of dive a little bit deeper into that and, and hear kind of from your experience at Qualcomm at Microsoft, looking out in the ecosystem, you know, what are the best practices? What can brands and product leaders do to make sure that their AI products are developed and deployed responsibly? Um, you can, you know, share what you're doing at Credo, but also just your observations of the space from such a rich experience.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, obviously a lot of what I'm going to share is uh, coming from our work at Credo AI. In the past year and a half, we've engaged with 100 plus enterprises across finance and banking, across government, across private sector, across HR technologies. And I would say that first and foremost, what we are recognizing is um, that all the problems boil down to three core areas. Uh, the first is really around the incentive alignment that I was sharing with you previously, where you know now in AI development, it's not just about the technical team. It's a really a multi-stakeholder problem, as well as a multi-stakeholder space that is getting created. So how do you ensure that there is not only a common language but a common understanding of what does good look like among these stakeholders is something that we are hearing quite a bit. And and obviously I'll talk about um, some of the ways that we are are solving for it. The second thing that's becoming very clear is there is a lack of accountability structures uh, that exist within current organizations to really manage these unintended consequences of machine learning systems. So, you know, we've seen I'm a big believer, and I've seen this over and over again, that an idea repeats itself and it's rinse and repeat across cloud, across security, and we are seeing a similar model emerge for AI and machine learning as well. So what's happening now is similar to what we did on InfoSec side, on privacy side, that over time when we recognized that there were these, um, you know, risk associated with these systems, risk associated with how we are deploying and building them, there were you know, the organization started to form around what does accountability look like? And now more than ever in artificial intelligence, what's happening across the enterprises that we are working with, they are basically completely changing the structures that exist to make sure you are accountable for the decisions you're making across the entire ML life cycle. And then the third thing is, because there are no standards and no existing rules and regulations per se, companies are really trying to figure out how can I even start on this AI governance journey? How can I make sure that I have the right set of tools uh, to make sure that I am am launching on the initiatives and building the right foundation? So where we come in and and what we are doing at Credo, but more I think realistically what organizations can do right now is first and foremost, take stock of their artificial intelligence. Where really are they deploying machine learning systems? You know, this is, uh, I. I have seen this so often in the past couple of years, you go and ask an executive um, at a company and you ask them where is machine learning deployed as they start to articulate examples, most of the times it's not ML. So I think the question that really begs is how do you define AI? and, And what is those machine learning systems within your organization and taking stock of them? The second is really around alignment of accountability because again, given that it is multi-stakeholder, you have the data science team involved, you have your privacy team involved, you have your governance teams involved. What becomes really critical is who is gonna be accountable for the failures at different points of this machine learning system and really taking uh, stock of that. Uh, The other thing that we have seen, which is I, I would say that becomes really critical is how can you start with a point of view around Uh, what does good look like for your enterprise? So as you can imagine, and I'll just give you an example, let's say if you are an enterprise building facial recognition systems, when you're building these systems and deploying these systems, what thresholds are you gonna be okay with? What thresholds are you actually disclosing to your end customer saying that within this confidence interval, we believe that our system performs best. And disclosing that transparently to your customers become really critical. So I would say that those are some of the core things that um, not only are we noticing as the gaps in, um, or at least the opportunities to build AI governance appropriately within within enterprises, but also uh, what companies can do. Really take stock, build the accountability structures, have an understanding of what good looks like for you, and then obviously keep an eye out for regulatory uh, changes uh, to make sure you're bringing those in within your organization.
1: Well, you're talking about things that obviously are, are so important and, and of great interest to us. You know, um, both Mark and I are often thinking through and talking about uh, how do we, first of all, convince a company that they need AI governance? I think in a few years it'll become obvious to everyone, but it's really a new nascent industry um, that will likely follow cyber's path and five ten years from now will be obvious, but right now there's some awareness building. um, And and it's really helpful how you broke down some of the common misunderstandings and and how do we address that. Um, But we also want to learn more about your tools that you're creating at Credo AI. You know, we're often asked, uh, once we get through the, the questions of what is our mission? How is it impeded or supported by AI? Uh, How do we bring our executive team on board? And don't get me wrong, we agree, those are some of the most important steps. But then there's the day-in, day-out work where tools, AI can really be used for good when it's a thoughtful product like yours. So we'd love to hear more about the specifics of what your tools do.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, Miriam, obviously you've known me even before I started Credo. And one of the, I would say, uh, inspiring ideas for us was you know, now AI is becoming fabric of the society. The world is running on AI. And for us at Credo, uh, the idea was how can we really empower organizations to build this technology with the highest ethical standards? And if you break that down uh, for us, It was really around how do you operationalize all the frameworks, all the thoughts around what good looks like and act as a Sherpa for these enterprises who are, you know, getting on this journey, which by the way, is going to be a very long journey to building ethical AI capabilities. So I'll give you an analogy and and then I'll give you, um, you know, some of the details of the product that we are building. So for us, you know, building trust, how do we build trust? Uh, You guys are asking me questions, I'm responding to those answers, uh, with answers, and, and based on my responses, you're building a trust index about Navrina, and then indirectly about Credo AI in your head. So we believe that there is a beautiful opportunity to create a similar interrogation among these systems, and the processes, and the people, so that you can build trust. And we are bringing exactly the same methodology into Credo AI and Credo AI products, So you can think about Credo AI products in three layers of trust. Uh, The first layer is how do you build trust with the people and processes that already exist within an organization? And we are empowering that through our own set of out of box policies, as well as a governance framework that can really bring these multi-stakeholders, whether you're a data scientist, whether you are someone in your governance team, we are bringing them together through this governance workflow. The second layer of trust that we build is with the AI systems, the AI models, and the AI solutions. And here, as you can imagine, there's this dire need around conformity assessment. How do you know when a system is biased? How are you looking at the different protected class variables? Is there proxies for those protected class variables, whether you're using your system in a risk scoring model or whether you're using that in a recommender system? So Our second layer of trust is really around core capabilities of assessment of these models using either sequester data or your own validation data set, but really to give you insights into are your systems biased? Can you monitor them at that moment in time? Obviously, real-time monitoring, there's a lot of work happening in that space, but really how do you build trust with what these models are doing and can we provide confidence to the enterprises that At least within the parameters they've defined, the models are doing the right thing. And then the last layer of trust that we build is with the environment. So as you can imagine, there's so much happening in the regulatory space, in the policy space. And I, as an organization, am trying to keep up with everything that is moving. And, and, you know, even the soft regulations that are showing up or potential bills that are getting introduced So what Credo AI does in our last layer is really pull in those regulations, pull in those standards, provide that extensibility to your enterprise policies, or you can use Credo AI uh, out of the box policies to make sure that, you know, your system at least has the right oversight. And then one thing that we found um, very important to share with our enterprise customers is that governance is not just about compliance. It is so much bigger than that. It is about the the behaviors and the decisions uh, that you are uh, seeing in these moments that matter. When your system is deployed in the production environment and a pandemic hits, your system completely is not able to keep up. What can you do in those moments? When your system is deployed for surveillance, And it is recognizing certain demographics inappropriately, what can you do in those moments? So a lot of what Credo AI product does is this bridging the gap between the technical um, metrics and elevating the business outcomes and how I, as an enterprise leader, uh, should manage the risk that my organization could be exposed to because of these changes in the ML systems.
0: Wow, that's a, a really amazing run through of everything you guys are doing. And I really like the framing of sort of the sources of trust and kind of how the three different axes that you're working on to um, build that trust. And, and and just building on that a little bit more, I, I want to come back to the pandemic actually in a minute, because um, you've said some interesting things about AI and the pandemic that I want to unpack. But just quickly, um, you are in this work, obviously very closely engaged with the broader ecosystem. And as you know, there is a, a really wide range of stuff happening between regulatory efforts, for example, the European Union's new draft regulations, uh, certification schemes that are being developed by a number of nonprofits, uh, industry organizations, and others, and then quite a lot of work around sort of self-assessment um, and um, voluntary um efforts by companies to uh, demonstrate compliance with either um, laws or um, uh, norms or or best practices. I'm curious where you see it all going. You know, how much of this is going to be regulated? How much of this is going to be self-regulated? How much is going to be certified by independent third parties? Um... And 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 maybe where do you think it should go? You know what would be the best case scenario here in terms of how this very complex, multi-part ecosystem evolves in the coming couple of years.
2: Mark, what a great question! Uh, I think we are at very early innings of what ethical AI is and and how the world is going to form around it. But uh, before I answer your question of where I see it going, I you know something we talk about a lot at Credo AI. Is this whole notion of uh, ethical AI flywheel? And there are four components to it. The obviously, the first component is around policies. We are going to see policies emerge. We are going to see regulations whether they are, um, you know, I would say very strict versus whether they are soft. We are going to see that. And obviously with uh, EU putting a really thoughtful, uh, you know, proposal around regulating some of the high risk artificial intelligence, we are seeing that that is becoming sort of a bar for other countries to follow. Uh, So policy is one of the core components uh, that people are watching out for, but, you know, just based on our discussions with our customers, most of them are not driven by regulatory compliance. They are really, driven by how can I build trust with my end customer so that I can unlock more sales opportunities so I can stay more innovative and more importantly, how can I shape and bring products to market that serve my customer base well? And because of that, the second part of the flywheel which is really critical informed by the enterprise needs but also by policy is the product. And, and that's where, you know, I, I'm super proud of what we are building at Credo AI and, and the um, already the benefits that some of our customers are seeing using the tools that Credo AI has provided. The next component of this flywheel is ecosystem, exactly what you said. You know, who is going to emerge as a leader? Is, is there going to be independent audit? Are there going to be certification? Are there going to be standards and rules? Are there going to be new regulations? All of the above. Because that's what's needed to ensure that this pervasive technology, which is totally going to disrupt the way our future builds, uh, I think it needs this multi-stakeholder point of view, which comes from different directions. So, you know, I'm a big proponent of... Yes, there should be regulation. Yes, there should be certification. Yes, the company should be undertaking their own accountability structures and doing their own internal assessments. And yes, we are gonna see a big role for third party audits as well to ensure that there's accountability at all the different levels. And then the last piece is what Miriam alluded to earlier in the conversation around education and community building and marketing. We are, as I mentioned, in early stages of ethical AI. What does ethical AI even mean? What does it mean to me as a stakeholder a C-level individual in an enterprise? What does it mean to me as someone who is an officer in an agency? What does it mean to me as a civil society uh, representative? All that is getting hashed out right now. And we at Credo AI are spending a lot of time with our enterprise clients just on the education component. Uh, As I mentioned right now, leaders like yourself have a great opportunity to act as guides and Sherpas to really start providing clarity around what does ethical AI mean, why it is important, how do we define it, and more importantly, how you can shape it. And this is why I'm so excited because after having built products for 20 plus years, uh, I would say this is the first time I'm seeing it's not just going to be about technical talent. It is going to be about, you know, the folks from design coming in it's about you know professors it's going to be about auditors it's going to be this amazing multi stakeholder diverse group of individuals whose inputs are going to matter in defining and building the technologies that we are bringing to bear
1: well i'm inspired i can't wait to see your vision come into reality And you mentioned that we're going to have this diverse set of perspectives that is going to help build our future. I know that's something you're very committed to and and work on in various different ways through supporting the pipeline and in your own work. Um, Can you tell us more about how your perspective on inclusion and diversity shape your work in building AI and what we can be doing to support the efforts in the same way that you are?
2: Absolutely. You know, we are living in a very interesting world where one kind of leadership does not work. It really needs to be a very diverse and inclusive leadership style where driven by data, driven by metrics, but also driven by empathy and understanding of how different components need to come together. So, within our team, as an example, we make sure that it's not just the ML engineers and technologists uh, that are building Credo AI tools. We focus a lot on bringing folks from psychology and social sciences uh, who are looking at if we are providing tools for you to govern your AI and ML appropriately, is it actually doing a a good job of making sure inclusive uh, uh, inputs are taken into account? So first and foremost, I really always encourage companies and, and teams to bring in individuals who are not like themselves, who they have not hired in the past. Uh, You know, extending beyond the technical domains, extending beyond the business domains and really inviting them in. Uh, The second thing is it's really holding yourself accountable to it. And something I've seen, unfortunately, some organizations do is use diversity and inclusion as a checkbox uh, and say, oh, I've done my quota. And I think that's a problematic mindset. Uh, So how do you shift from a quota mindset to, I can build great products, we can land more customers, we can deliver value to our consumer base. I think that really needs a new way of organizational thinking uh, that we are starting to see emerge in some companies, at least the ones that we are working with, uh, who I would say are also at the forefront of thinking about, how do I deploy ethical AI at scale? And then lastly, you know, I, I am a big champion of um, making sure more women show up uh, in the technical fields. Obviously, a brick proponent of uh, making sure women founders, uh, you know, we see more of them around uh, because that's when, at least for us, we have seen more conversations around ethics and more conversations about responsibility and more conversations around accountability happen. So the more we can do in ensuring diverse voices show up Uh, to the building, designing, deployment, and testing of these technologies, the better we are going to be as a society and a world.
0: If I could quickly just just build on that that inspiring answer, you are yourself someone who has had a very successful career in technology uh, as a woman, uh, starting at a time when uh, there were even fewer women in senior positions in technology than there are today. Um, I wonder what advice you would give to Uh, young professionals at the beginning of their career, um, particularly women and people of colour who are uh, trying to find the best way for them to engage in this movement around ethical AI um, but don't necessarily have the kind of blueprint uh, in front of them uh, because it is, as you say, the very beginning of this journey.
2: You know absolutely, Mark. I can talk uh, about that for hours because that's a you know passion topic for me and and uh, an area that needs a lot of work. But i I can leave you with three pieces of advice. Um, the first is, you know, don't wait to get started. Um, a lot of greatness happens the minute you get started and you iterate and and build from there. So uh, many of the mentees and people that I am providing guidance to—they're just waiting for the right moment. And guess what? In technology, there's no right moment. You create those moments for yourself. So my advice to these young, uh, you know, leaders uh, who are thinking about breaking into tech or trying to accelerate their careers is like take an initiative, go show your impact, and make it happen. The second is uh, really around surrounding yourself with the believers. Um, you know. There is a lot to be said about uh, confidence, especially when it comes to being a woman and especially women being a woman in technical areas, uh, really surrounding yourself with the believers and people who understand your skill sets so that even when you're not in the room, they are cheerleading for you and they are your biggest advocates. That is really critical. And, and a, a sort of a methodology I've used in my career is this whole notion of board of me uh, so similar to, you know, a healthy startup or a good company needs a good board of directors to govern it. Similarly, you as an individual need a lot of, you know, surrounded by trusted advisors who can guide you in different aspects of your life. So having this board of me to champion for you, to let you know where your gaps are and, and really help you accelerate on that career journey really helps. And then lastly, is something that I'm a big believer in, and I'm sure Mariam has seen that is don't wait to get a seat on the table, bring your own chair because there is so much need and opportunity for young driven individuals who have a voice can deliver impact. So I don't think you should wait around, you should just come to the table with great ideas and you know, obviously demonstrate that with actionable execution so that you can take an organization forward, you can take a vision forward and you can really deliver, deliver value at, at large
1: scale. Marina, I love those answers. I want to do an entire podcast just on the board of me. I want to hear about your board. I want to hear how you formulate your board, your board retreats. Um, I want to join your board. I want to hear everything about that. Thank you for those really, really helpful tips that I think everyone will benefit from. Um, I know our time is coming to a close. So before we let you go, one question we'd like to end with is by asking uh, what, you're looking forward to, what you're excited about, what you're fearful of. And we ask in the form of the rose that you're looking, that you are excited about in AI, the thorn, what are you fearful of? What are you, uh, what are you concerned about? And the bud, what are you excited about on the horizon of AI?
2: Absolutely. I would say the rose for us, um, especially seeing how many of the organizations, irrespective of the industries they are coming from, have started to intentionally uh, think about ethical AI and what does good look like in ethical AI? And at least asking the question of what they can do today to start getting on that journey so that their solutions are, uh, you know, serving the customer base that uh, that they are aiming to serve. So I would say that for me, that is, um, very exciting to see and and something that keeps us excited on this Credo AI journey. And and just a side digression, Credo means a set of values that guides your actions. So what we are very excited about is our customers who's joining us because they want to align their set of values on the actions to deliver ethical AI. Uh, The thorn, uh, I think that's a fascinating question because there's a lot of thorns. Uh, just like with any new technology, new area, a new category that you're creating. I think what we have seen is where people are waiting. They're waiting for some regulatory event. They're waiting to figure out, am I responsible for this ethical AI or someone else's? Where they're waiting to figure out, uh, do we even have, uh, you know, budgets to support ethical AI development? Where they are waiting to figure out, okay, you know, who else in our industry is going to do it before, you know, rather than us being the front leaders. And I think those thorns could be really disruptive um, uh, negatively for our society and world. And, And this would be my ask of all the enterprise leaders as well as company leaders who are building, buying artificial intelligence is don't wait around. Right now there's already a need to build that trust with your different stakeholders that can be built through good technology, good AI and then I think waiting around is uh, is not the answer for it. And I would say the bud uh, for me uh, on the horizon that I am excited about is um, you know, how multi-stakeholders are coming together, whether, whether it is on the EU regulations, whether it is around the FTC's business priority objectives, or whether it is around DOD principles. What has been beautiful to see in all these framings is it's not just they are seeking input from the technical audience. or they're not seeking input only from the policymakers. It is really a collaborative effort. And what I, I am excited about in the horizon is how the world comes together to enable building AI that can actually serve the world in an appropriate manner. So really excited
1: about everything happening in ethical AI. Well, and now you've everyone around you it will share that enthusiasm if they didn't already. So thank you for sharing your insights, for telling us about what you're working on now and your path to this moment. And we will look forward to having you on again and, and hearing more about the developments at Credo AI and with the board of me of Navrina.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much Miriam and Mark. It was a pleasure sharing the thoughts and very excited about the work you are doing at Equal AI as well.
1: Thank you so much. Well, Mark, I think that was another great episode. I loved hearing Navrina's insights and the very thoughtful, clever ways that she packaged them so that they were so relatable and understandable. What really stood out to you?
0: Well, I, I, I agree with you on that point completely, Miriam. I think uh, Navrina explained her work and her thoughts extremely clearly and effectively. Um, and so that was just a delight to have everything broken down into such a clear, um, language and, and, and to really be able to, 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 to go through piece by piece. So a couple of those pieces that really jumped out for me um, were the, uh, the kind of distinction that she made between governance and compliance. I think that that's something that we often conflate as we talk about uh, regulations on the one hand, and then corporate governance and practices on the other. Um, and I am probably guilty of that myself, so very helpful to have that reminder that they are not the same thing. I also really appreciated when Navrina broke down of how Credo, her company, helps organizations build trust. Uh, Looking at those organizational processes, at the conformity assessment of technologies that they're developing, and then also engagement with that external environment. And then the last thing I'll mention, although there were many other things that they jumped out to me, were that I really appreciated the ethical AI flywheel that she mentioned, thinking about kind of policy, product, Accountability mechanisms and then engagements that a company can do, and just looking at all of those things as being connected to one another and feeding into one another, and the challenge that you know we face or that companies face is is to figure out how to get that flywheel spinning. I thought that was a really nice metaphor. Uh, what about you, Miriam? What what jumped out for you?
1: Yeah, I think one thing I was noticing is that common thread that we're hearing from so many of our guests who are focused on ethical AI, uh, the need for governance um, and how she broke it down into three main categories that companies need to focus on with the incentive alignment. Um, I think we have seen different examples where those haven't been aligned and companies don't even necessarily know the misalignment between their core values and their AI use. And you know, I, I really like that um, she highlighted what we are seeing as a trend um, and that that's something she's very focused on fixing and uh, the need to have a common language Language and understanding of of what it is you're even trying to do and and what the goals are, really breaking it down so that they can be met. Um, Also, her pointing out the lack of organizational structures to really uh, support AI governance um, and the standards in this space where we currently don't have clarity on the international standards. We're starting to get helpful inputs from the EU, from the FTC, but uh, understanding that it's a it's a complicated time for companies to navigate forward and with these three pieces that are causing um challenges to that you know i think that really helps us clarify where there is a need for us to all uh jump in and and help fix these these challenges and these these uh challenging moments
0: yeah 100 percent. i think i think i think that was for me a, a very inspiring kind of Uh, summary and and also I think a call to action. Um, I I was uh, left with this feeling that Navrina is absolutely right, that we are at the very beginning of this journey on ethical AI and uh, there is a role for everyone to play. And to me that is maybe the most inspiring message of what she shared with us is just that we all should not delay and, you know, get involved and figure out how we can help move the ball and the advice that she gave to women, to young people of color who are thinking about entering the field. I think it's all part and parcel of that optimistic vision that, you know, we really can do this right, but that we're all going to have to muck in and and make it happen together.
1: Exactly. Yes. That. AI is the fabric of our society. We need to recognize it and build around it. Uh, and we also all need to jump in. There is no time to wait. There is a greatness that happens when we start. I love that she incentivizes us to jump in because that can be a time of real impact. Um, I like her guidance that we surround ourselves with believers uh, and that she clearly has brought her own seat to the table and we all should follow suit. So a great episode.
0: Fantastic episode. Yeah, that that was really inspiring and looking forward to the next one.
1: I am as well. See you next time.
0: All right. See you soon. Bye, Mark. You have just listened to In AI We Trust, hosted by Miriam Vogel from Equal AI and me, Mark Kane from the World Economic Forum. Subscribe to or download our podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. We always welcome your feedback. And if you like the podcast, please rate us or give us a review. And to learn more or get involved, please visit us at www.equalai.org and www.weforum.org.
1: And a special thanks to NP Agency, without whom this podcast would not be possible.